Good morning, Soma's Church. How y'all doing? You can keep talking. Welcome. There's Sometimes the family's late. <laughs> uh, good morning. Um, this week we had our Bible study, and of course it's on fellowship of the saints, of our church body. And uh, today you, I hope you got one of these. Um, if you didn't see Richard, he has them. We're going to do something very significant. You know, I was thinking about some of my first memories. Gary and I always say we had diapers on, our crosses on our diapers because we were both like in church immediately after we were born. And so, um, you know, we were raised in church. How many, I just want to show of hands, how many went to church as a child? Like you were in church, you started in church. That's a pretty Almost half, probably, half of us. And um, I don't know about y'all, but I have sweet memories. I shared one Wednesday night. But I was thinking about, um, I got saved at church. It's a really special spot in Topeka, Kansas at South Knowwood Baptist Church in the basement. And uh, I'll never forget it. And I had relationships out of church that were amazing. Matthew talks about if we take up our cross and follow him, that he will give us mothers, sisters, brothers, daughters um, in the church body. And I have to say that, you know, I've been in the ministry, we've been in the ministry now 40 plus years. And um, you're my family. I never got to live by my parents, but you are my family. And it is such a joy to be able to hug and love on family every week. So thank you for being in my life. Today we have family that are hurting. Ron's in the hospital, and he's not doing that hot uh, as of last night. So we want to remember him. Um, Joy's hurting. We got to visit with her, and the Bible says that we hurt with one another. We cry, and when something great happens, we rejoice with them. And so right now there's some sadness uh, with Ron, and then um, I was thinking of Mandy. She's happened to be in bed now with her pregnancy um, and then Ed has his son Eddie who is not doing well as uh, in Boise is he in Boise Idaho Boise Idaho and so he's far away that's a that's a strain when we're far away but today sisters and brothers and church let's pray and just ask the Lord to be with these situations I got a call right before we started my mother had an episode at church this morning so that's also another heartbeat in the church that's hurting. So let's pray and just give these to the Lord, and um, we'll worship him anyway. Father, you know everything. You are never surprised at our trials, ever, because they came through your precious hand. You had to approve it. So thank you, Lord, that you are in our life. We have you. We cling to you. You are our shepherd. You will comfort us. You will take us by still waters, even if there's a cliff coming. So, Father, today we give these names that we just enumerated to you. You are in control of their breath, their health, everything. But on this end, as we sit here today as a family... We have hurting hearts. We have sad hearts. We have um, 
hearts that are uncertain of what the days ahead will bring. But God, we are so grateful that you hold tomorrow. And you told us that only today is what we need to worry about, not tomorrow's breath, not next week's. It is today. So thank you for today. Thank you that it is Sunday, that you rose from the grave on the first day of the week, and that we have life even out of death. We praise you, and we want to sing our praise to you now in this moment. Accept our brokenness, our hearts, our troubles right now, Lord. We lay them at your feet so we may see you clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.
that's what the church does. We love those around us, those that are hurting, those that we get through the week. I don't know about y'all. I'm sure you do. You're, you're much more aware probably even than me. But when I think of somebody, that's a moment to take the opportunity to reach out and send a text or call and minister to them. That is ministering. You're ministering too. Gary's just not the pastor here. We're all these people that are ministering all day long, all week long as we live out our life. We build our life around what God is doing in us. It's a beauty. It's beauty. This is the most beautiful act. Christ dying for us.
sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. turned around. Aaron, you're supposed to be over there. <laughs> oh, no. You know, Ed prays for everybody in the church on the Sunday service, on the Sunday service, and he prays by, by where you sit. So, Aaron, you may not get prayed for, so if you have a bad week, I'm just saying that Ed wasn't able to pray for you because he thinks you're missing. <laughs> Father, we are grateful for what you have done in us and among us. We're grateful for bringing us together to this place. This place is a place where we connect with each other, where we have fellowship, where we pray for one another, we also celebrate with one another. Is a, is a place where we're challenged to meet with you, God, to keep us on the straight and narrow. It's a place that we love because we feel that we are blessed and better by meeting with God's people. And though we can meet at other times, but truly, Sunday morning is a special moment for us. So, Father, as we come before you, all the things that we have on our hearts and our mind, we, we want to bring those to you, and we know that you'll help us with that. But Father, we also want to hear from your word. And so, open our ears. We may hear, open our eyes, what we may see. Um, help us to have a heart that's pliable and teachable, that we may feel and know and sense your movement upon each of our, our lives, our hearts, our families. We give this to you so that the glory of God can be given and experienced in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So if you have your Bibles, you'd like to turn into a couple verses, if you'd like to follow along in the Scripture, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and then turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. So there's two verses that we'll be beginning with, and we'll address those in just a moment. So 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Ephesians 2, they are to the right, uh, almost to the end of uh, the Bible, but not quite. So each of us should have received a Lego. If you didn't receive a Lego, we have some back there, and so that you can uh, participate if you'd like to do that. But I want to draw your attention to this Lego. When you came to service, you, you received this, and as we look at this Lego, this Lego identifies the second purpose, the second calling that we're going to talk about, I am called by God to belong. So this Lego has one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to connect with other Legos. All right, so one Lego by itself is of very little value. Imagine putting it on Craigslist, I have one Lego for sale. <laughs> you wouldn't have a lot of people calling you. But if you say, I have a whole bunch of Legos for sale, you might get some responses that way. We were made and created to belong. To belong. We've looked at, uh, in the first week, um, and we talk about the five callings that we're doing. We're on calling number two. The first one was God has called us to be loved. He created you and He created me to be loved. That's a powerful statement if we'll just think about that. We'll be convinced that God wants to love me. In fact, He created me so that He could love me. And today, we're going to talk about that God has created us to belong. Yes, he loves you, but he also uh, wants us to know that we belong. So I want you to say out loud, we're going to do this as we go. We've got three more to go. So the first one is, I am called by God to be loved. So let's say that with me. I am called by God to be loved. Today, Let's say this out loud. I am called by God to belong. Let's say it. I am called by God to belong. This is our God giving us purpose that we are loved and we belong. God wants you to belong. Know that you belong to his family. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.10, it says, God is the one who made all things and all things for his glory. He wanted to have many children to share in his glory. God has called us, and he wanted to have children. And so he created us to share in his glory, and that is an awesome statement. So I want you to get to understand, as we look through the Bible and we talk about the subject of a belonging, is that the Bible is meant to be read as one story. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a connection there. You wouldn't... You, or we shouldn't look at the Bible like an encyclopedia. And you may not know what that may mean, <laughs> an encyclopedia. Or you Google something, or, or ask Alexa something. And you ask this certain subject. And so the Bible is not to, to come to the Bible and to say, okay, I want to know about prayer. And you can know about prayer. But if you really want to get what the Bible is all about, you have to read the Bible as one story. 
And it starts with Genesis, there in the garden, you know, in the separation of uh, uh, Adam and Eve from God because of sin. And it then moves into uh, where there was that separation, but God had another plan to bring uh, uh, man back into a relationship with God. And so we read the Bible as one story. And in that story that God is, is wanting to have this family, sin enters in, but he has a plan to deal with that, to bring it back. And it's through Abraham and the descendants of Abraham they, that in the Old Testament, write, we read about the, the nation of Israel as a family and the children of God and, and uh, the things that they go through. And then we move on into the New Testament and we look at the church as the family of God. And so we're looking today as we, we are in the New Testament age that we're looking at the church as the family of God. God's family is called the church. The first purpose of my life is to let God love me. The second purpose of my life is that God formed me for his family, the church. Now, we all have a basic need to feel like we belong. The most influential version of the need to belong theory was proposed by Roy Baumeister and Mark Leary, whose theory put relationship need as one of the most important needs that humans must fulfill. Baumeister and Leary said that satisfying the belongingness motive requires that two aspects of relationship be met. And this is what I thought I found interesting. Because the Bible says the same thing. In fact, the Bible said this before. They said this. But I, I bring this out. The first part is, of this need is that people need to have a positive and pleasant and not a negative interactions with others. Well, that's true. It's what the Bible talks about, the encouraging, edifying one another, of, of the love, uh, of the, the uh, living together, uh, you know, in, in harmony and that type of thing. And so that is so true. And the second thing that they came up with is the part that, the specific, uh, that talks about the interactions cannot be random, but rather takes, sh should take place as part of a stable, lasting relationship in which people care about each other's long-term health and well-being. Enter in the church. This is what God knew. He, he knew that we needed a family. It is one of our basic needs that we have to have a sense of belonging. We, we, you know, when people come in and they walk through the church uh, doors for the first time, one of the greatest fears that they have, they're wanting, will I be accepted here? Will I belong? And if we know that, then, then we can be friendly. We can reach out. We can try to lower those walls and, and help them to understand that God loves us. And by our actions toward, towards them, we can show our love uh, uh, we can show God's love, and we can also show uh, a sense that God wants them to belong. God formed me for his family. Let me put it this way. If God hadn't wanted a family, you and I wouldn't exist. God made you because he loves you, and he wants you to love him back, and he wants you to be part of his family. You were formed for God's family. This has been his plan from the very beginning of time. And Ephesians tells us his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into uh, his own family by bringing him to, to himself through, of course, Jesus Christ. 
So God's family is called the church. That's what his family, God calls it, uh, it, it the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3. As, as Timothy is being written to uh, by Paul, Paul says, Timothy, I'm writing to you, he says, so you will know how to live in, in the family of God or the household of God. So Paul says, as I, says, I want you to know how to live in the family of God. And then he goes on to say that family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. He said the church is the family of God is the church, this household of God the is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So God formed me for his family, and his family is called the church. And I'm called to belong to his church. Bible also says, is in the second verse that I had you turn to, is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. There's some great verses in this uh, book of uh, Ephesians about the church. But it says in verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. God says, you're not a stranger. You're not an alien. And this book happened to be Ephesians written to Gentiles. And so it's extra special for us. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. And then it says, and members of the household of God, the family of God, the church. So we belong. God wants us to belong to his family, the church. And this is the second calling or purpose of our life. First, to know how dearly God loves us. And second, that he wants us to belong to his family. His church. Romans chapter 1 verse 6 says, you're among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You're called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now let me just stop here and, and take a little trail off to the side here about the, what the church, the definition of the church. The word church in the Bible is the Greek word ecclesia. That's a Greek word, if you knew Greek, which I don't know Greek. The only Greek that I know is, is taki. And, uh, but it, it comes from a word which means called. So ecclesia means called or called out. So we've been talking about five callings, all right? We've, we've gone uh, the second calling about being along. Ecclesia means called out. If you were at that time and you were in a group and, and, and you would say, uh, ecclesia, and they would say, well, where? Which means that there was going to be a meeting. There was a town meeting. There was something in, the, in that, in that uh, community where, where they would meet. They would be called out. They'd come out of their businesses. They'd come out of schools. They'd come out of their homes. And they would gather together for a, 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 for a purpose. And this is what this word klesia, as we think about it, it's been translated to church for us in English. And so when we think about church as something that we belong, that we come, that we're away from unto. And this is what God has called us. He called us into the family of God. He called us into the church. He wants us to belong to that. The church isn't an event that happens just on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It's much more than that. It's deeper than that. It isn't a program. It isn't a building. It isn't this property it's the people that God calls out. It's the relationship. If I ask, most people would probably say, well, you know, it's the church building. Or, uh, or they would say, I'm, I'm going to church. You know, when you, when you belong to the church, you are the church wherever you go. 
church isn't a business and it shouldn't be run like a business. You know, in a business, the bottom line is always the profit, you know. And that, that's not the way the church operates. We're to be a living sacrifice. And there are times that we do have to sacrifice. The church isn't an online church. If we're honest, online church is a step away from church, not a, a step towards church. It's a step towards lesser devotion and not a greater devotion. You see, dating is easier than marriage, except for a Cindy married, being married to Cindy, it's, it's just much easier than dating. <laughs> dating is easier than marriage. But church demands a commitment. It leads into relationship. And listen, it will meet our deepest needs in life. Kerry Newoff said this, and he said this about this. He said, a C-plus real-life church experience is better than an A-plus church online experience because real life is messy. It's going to force you to grow. Well, people don't like to, you know, they date, but they don't like to, you know, somebody dated, but they don't like to commit because they don't want to go deeper. They don't want to, they don't want to get into that mess. They don't want to go go further in that relationship. And so we, when we look at church, it's, it's not something that we can just do online. It's not going to be virtual. You know, I've got virtual pastors and podcasts and, and those th- Those things really won't cause you to grow like it will be when you're doing church together in life with other people. Church is not something you go to. Church is something you belong to. It's not events, not a location. Church is a relationship. That implies commitment. We worship here. We have a place here, but the church is the people of God. It's our connectivity, our relationships that we have one another. You know, earlier in my Christian walk, I, uh, I struggled with this idea of the, you know, the local church and, and, and then the big church, you know, the universal church, you know, the church out there and how that would fit in Christianity. And I struggled with this. So finally I said, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go to the Bible and I'm, I'm going to just take a study and I'm going I'm to study every time the word church is mentioned in the scriptures. And so I did. So, uh, but come find out there are over a hundred times the word church is mentioned, depending on what you know, version you use. And so, so I uh, so, okay, so, so it was a study, so I, I would go this time, it may, the word church was the uh, first time it was mentioned in Scripture, then i go to the next, and, and as I went through it, came to my, uh, I came to a conclusion that when God is speaking about the church, 90% of the time he speaks it in the Bible, it's always referring to something local in a community. You know, when, it, when, it, when, when uh, they're uh, in Revelation, talk about the seven churches, there was identifying seven different churches. And when you come to, to Corinthians, and you talk about the, the church, the letters written to the church at Corinth, and the, the church at Ephesus, the churches in Galatia, the church that is in Thessalonica. These were individual churches that, that the letters were written to. And so when you come to church, 
It's important for us to understand that it's talking about a local body, a group of believers. In fact, it is the pattern. Don't, don't get this. Uh, uh, I mean, d- do get this. Don't. Well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> get this. Is that the church is the pattern for God to reach this world. And I say this because when the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, who was the one who wrote most of the New Testament, was a great missionary, was a great church planner. He, he would go to the city at Corinth, for example, and he would, he would see people and he, he would meet with them and they'd start talking about the scripture and God and then they'd come believers and, and he'd get them, they'd get baptized and, and pretty soon they would have this nucleus of believers that were meeting together and talking about the scripture and doing life together and then he would you know appoint a pastor. There would be a pastor in that church and there was some leadership there and, and then he, what he would do, he would go on to the next place and he'd go to Ephesus and he did the same thing again and he'd go to Thessalonica, he did the same thing again. Over and over again throughout the scripture and throughout church history, this is the method that God wants to reach communities. And when he reached communities, he reached states. And when he reached states, he'll you know, reach a nation. This is the, the, the plan that God has. And so I'm elevating what the church is through the scripture that when it comes to a local body, you know, God's plan to reach this community is you guys, the church. That's his desire that he wants us to reach this community. And so almost when March 14th, next month, it'll be 51 years, 51 years ago, Harold Anderson and a group of believers met over here in the Thursday club and started to pray God for a year about having a church here in this community in Camarillo or Somas. 51 years ago, some believers uh, said, we believe that God has called us to plant a church in this area, and, uh, and we are the fruit of that. And I know there have been some ups and downs in the history of this church. And God almost, uh, uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God, God, this church almost closed, but God has a great plan and a purpose for this church, for you in this community. I want to give you five, uh, real quickly here, five uh, things that happens that will be of benefit to us as we think about the church. And they meet our, our deepest needs. They, these five things will meet our five deepest needs. First of all, as we think about the church, the church is described in five different metaphors, and we're going to talk about these metaphors in just a moment. The metaphor of the family, we've already talked a little bit about that. The church is also called a temple. The church is also called a body. The church is also called a flock. The church is also called a garden. So we're going to look at these metaphors to describe what a church is and what it means to us. So first, number one, church is God's family where I learn my true identity. You know, we're not going to learn our real identity in the world. The world is fickle. It could be identified this time, and, uh, you know, a few months it's going to be this way. You're not going to find your real identity in the world. It may not even in your family, your physical family. 
Some of us may come from broken families. Your true identity is found in a relationship to God's family. Our identity is tied to our relationships. Problem with this is that, you know, some of us in our relationships, they're broken. You know, how we were raised, we may have said, well, I came from a dysfunctional family. And, uh, you know, this, this wasn't, you know, everything wasn't in line. But you see, God has given us an, uh, an avenue, a way of identifying who we are, a real um, true identity. And it is through the church. As we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, again, you are members of God's very own family. You belong to God's household with every Christian. It doesn't matter what kind of family you have, he gave you. And listen, it doesn't matter kind of, you might have had a, a, a terrible dad or a not so good a mother or a brother or a sister or whatever. God then gives us a good family, a family that is godly to help us to identify, to help us in life. Your family was just a channel to get you into God's family. God used your parents. God used your family. But he ultimately, his design was to bring you into his family. It's powerful that God wants us in his family. That's his goal. That our physical family is there, yes. But our spiritual family is so much more important. And it's so much more uh, uh, lasting than our physical family. Because our physical family... There will be people that will grow up and they'll move away and get divorced or people will die and, and all that. But our spiritual family, our church, lasts for eternity. And so we can identify through our, our family, through our deep and personal relationships that we have in the family of God. Number two, the church is God's temple. It's a metaphor for temple. And it means that I am supported by others. And this is a metaphor described the church. He says the church is like a temple. In other words, it's a building. It is constructed for God's glory. There is a construction. There is a, a connection with one another. It's a building where God's presence shows up. Where God is loved. And I don't mean the physical building. I'm talking about the church itself. How God brings people together. Where God is loved and God's love is on display on how we love each other. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize, Paul writes, that all of you together are the temple of God and his spirit lives in you. And he's talking about the church, the temple of God. Now, 20 years ago, this building wasn't here. Maybe a, give a, a year or two. This building wasn't here. The facility, you know, there's an old part, and then there was there's this part, and then there's an addition. And as we view this building, it came together as, as these great beams were put into place. Understand that they had to wait for these beams, and the, the, there was a holdup on that. But these beams came together. And the structure, and, and, and we're thankful that they are strong beams to hold up the roof, and these things, they all fit together. And, 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 and the strength of this building is its connection with, with each part. And so we think even about nature itself. 
God has created the, uh, the, the nature with, with, the, with the fruit trees to, to pollinate. And, and, and a fruit tree by itself will, won't give out fruit, but, but, it, but it's dependent upon the other fruit trees. And, and the bees are dependent upon the trees, and the trees are dependent upon the bees. And, the, and all throughout nature, we see this connection. We see how things are put together and forms of strength and interdependence. So God chose a temple as an illustration of what it's like to be in a family God because of the support that we give each other, that we make the walls stand up, we, the roof there. And when we go through difficult times, as Cindy just prayed, we're there for each other. When we mourn, we help and assist, we comfort. And so this is the second benefit from being part of the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2 says, in Christ the whole body building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, Jesus, you too are being built to, together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So together, we all together form the family of God and we form the temple of God. That togetherness. That, that support that we have makes us, you know, I almost want to do, you remember when you do this, when you was a little kid, you know, here's a cross, here's a steeple, <laughs> and you open up the doors and look at all the people. <laughs> That's the church. We're the people. We're that connection that we have one another. This is important. You know, one of the biggest Epidemics in our society and our culture today. It's not the virus, but it happens to be loneliness. People feel alone. Even though we have the technology of yet that even though the technology that we have and we may have a 10,000 friends on our Facebook list or Instagram or whatever, you can still have loneliness because those are just shallow. The church provides a place where loneliness is dealt with, and we feel that we're, uh, we belong because we have the support of God's family, the church. Let me give you the third thing. Church, and the metaphor of the church is Christ's body. And with this, with this we discover a unique value. This is our, our capacity. I learn my identity in God's family, and I get the stability and connection in God's temple, but I also learn my capacity, my value, who I am, that God has created us the way he has created us and gifted us for something unique, and we find that in his church. Look at Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. He says, just as there are many parts to our bodies. He's talking about the church. Just as there are many parts to our body, body so it is with Christ's body. So, so he's talking about the physical body. as a reference to the body of Christ, the church. We are all parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have a different work to do. We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. We need each other. I need you. You need me, believe it or not. Uh, we all have something to give. We all have, have something that will help us. And this will create our unique value. 
The point is, we only discover your unique value in your place in the body, who you are. Who you are and what you can offer brings that out. It's meaningful to life. It's a blessing as we can be a blessing to you as well, the whole body. Number four, the church is also called God's flock. I am protected and cared for through the church. Psalms chapter 23 talks about, you know, the good shepherd. Talk about the, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And we, when we know that the good shepherd is there, when we go through things like Cindy was talking about earlier uh, in our own life and, and others, is that we know that the good shepherd's there. And we feel less anxious. We're more confident. We're less fearful knowing that God is there. He's there to protect us and to share. He says, I am in his flock. Or we say, I'm in his flock. And he also has pointed pastors, leadership, and friends, and connection through the church to help us to feel protected and cared for. You know, when I'm being beat up by the job or school or my family or marriage is being strained to the breaking point when I'm facing personal crisis or terminal illness, it's good for us to, to know that someone is there protecting and caring for us as there for us. It's not just God cares and protects but in the flock of God, we help each other. There's great value in the church family. That we need you in life, in your, we need you in our life as you need us. We go through things. We're to walk with each other through those times. We're to belong. It's a church. And small groups are great about that, walking through things. They have great value because we, we get that connection, not just the Sunday morning connection, but we get this deep connection about life and doing life together. We have a small group that is, that is changing and being revised from the marriage group to the adult small group that Ed and Sandy and Wayne and Deborah and some others, John and Kimberly, they're involved in that, Floyd and Chris, and, and they're, they're starting to meet. On doing different subjects, and they're going along with the, with the message, and while well, we're staying on Wednesday night, those are wonderful. I love it when when I heard uh, recently about Chris testifying that when her husband was in the hospital and was going through heart troubles, that her small group was sitting there waiting and helping her go through that. She didn't have a physical family to be there for, but her church family, a small group, was there with her. And that meant a whole lot to her. The church is like a flock. Last thing is God's garden. My life becomes productive. This is kind of an organic metaphor. It has about the church family, about how we grow fruit in a garden, like grapes on a vine. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, or, or 15, excuse me, says, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener, and you are the branches. And the lesson we get out of this, and when we're looking at the church, is, is that the church is like a garden. Where, yes, we connect with Jesus, we, we grow in, in Christ, and, and Jesus says, I am the vine, and he says, you are the branches. 
Because I'm connected to the vine, there's life-giving life that flows through those vines and those branches so that we're able to bear fruit. But listen, my friend, when you separate yourself from the body of Christ, and you're like that branch that gets cut off from that tree. We've had some severe winds lately, you know, and we've seen branches, and where we live, we, we, we live in, in an orchard, and where we see, you know, lemon trees that are, that are broken, or avocado branches are broken, and we know those broken branches aren't going to start producing fruit. In fact, they're going to die. And this is what God is saying to us, that that connection is life-giving. It's for us to help us in life. The point is a disconnected branch cannot bear fruit. And God wants us to bear fruit, and so he plugs us into a church. God doesn't have any orphans. He, he, he we get saved and he plugs us into that church family for us to receive life and health. My dad's uh, first church was in Junction City, Kansas. I remember, uh, you know, my earliest memories about church was in that church. And uh, it was a military town during Vietnam War, so there was about in the probably 67, 68, something like that. I remember uh, one Sunday evening at church, church service, and we were sitting there, and, and uh, uh, during the service, there was a phone call. And uh, at that time, you call worship leader, you call song leaders. Well, the song leader, Mr. Bill Cosley, was his name, Cosley, uh, went to answer the phone, and the, a lady on the other end of the phone said, go check Pastor Jane's car. So he, and she hung up, so he went out, checked Pastor Jane's car. And Art, it was a 56 Buick. I know he just got a 56 Chevy, but it's a 56 four-door Buick. And he looked in that car, and on the front seat was a little baby girl wrapped in newspaper. It had a little note that said, please, Pastor Jane, take care of her. This little girl was, was just weeks old, just an infant. And so they, they brought the baby into the nursery. And I remember as a little kid there, and, and the police were called, and two detectives came out, two, two men there, and, and they came out. I remember that, that little changing table there, and they unwrapped the baby in the, in the newspaper, and they were checking to make sure that the baby was healthy and, and okay and had diapers on, and, and I remember that. Then the detectives turned to my parents after hearing the story and said, and, and this, you have to understand this was before CPS and all that, said, Pastor James, would you like to take this baby home and care for it while we try to find the mother? And of course, they said, yes, we would be glad to do that. And so they, they took the baby home. And of course, in that time of, of taking the baby home into our home, we started to love that little baby. I had a baby. I had another sister, but now I had two sisters. And uh, and at that time, I was probably around three or four years old. Or, and um, 
we had another. Well, they couldn't find the mother, and so they went to the judge and said to the judge, uh, Judge, we would like to adopt this baby. We've, we've, it's, we've just adopted into our family, and we'd love to have this baby. The judge had a hearing, and nobody objected, and so it was signed off, just kind of an easy process back then. And we became, uh, had a, 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 a family of five at that time. So I was thinking about this. You know, first of all, we don't know what the story is, still don't know the story of that mother, the brokenness and the situation she had to give up that baby. But as is every parent's heart, and every godly mother's heart, it's the heart of God that God wants us to be in a family. And that mother, I don't know how she knew us, but she knew that this would be a good place for her baby, that we would love and care for, and we did. She knew that, and that's the heart of God. God wants you, listen, God wants you connected, whether it's this church family or another church family. He has this heart that calling, get plugged in, quit dating the church, get married to the church, commit yourself. And if it's not this church, it's another church family that you belong to. This is the heart of God for us. But the thing, other thing that I think about this story is that it took a commitment for my parents, and for us to accept that little baby girl. It took a commitment. You know, we had to stretch ourselves, and we were pretty poor. But, but it was another person. It was another, and, and, and we didn't know the story. We didn't know the, all the ramifications, that what that would, would look like in the future. But we were willing to make that commitment. You see, a church family there's a commitment involved in this. That's why a lot of people don't want to commit. But I'm telling you, there is a commitment, and a commitment comes with blessings and benefits. Yeah, it can be messy. It can be difficult. It can be all those things, sacrificing. But it's worth it. God says it's worth it. Your growth, the benefits that we just talked about, is a blessing. So my sister today, I have two sisters. Um, my sister today, the one that I talked about, she's just as much a sister as my other sister. Uh, you know what? She is married to a pastor in Tacoma, Washington. She has four boys. And four boys, you know, they're doing well in their, in their fields. And, and God has used that. Now she's a grandmother, and, and, and I love her. She's, she's very dear to me. And uh, it's all because of, you know, there was a commitment that was made way back. There was a willingness to go forward with that relationship. Would you bow your heads in prayer? How is God speaking to you this morning? about the church, God's family. Listen, if you're not saved, that's the first thing. This is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical, it's not a club. 
It, it's, a, it's a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual family. You've got to be saved. If you're unsure of that, please don't leave today without knowing Jesus, knowing you're saved. And baptism is part of this. It's identified that you're a child of God, that baptism is, this says in Acts chapter 2 that they, that when they repented, when they were saved, then they were baptized, then they were added to the church. And I, I, it concerns me when people say they're saved and they're not willing to get baptized. I, very concerned about their salvation. Why wouldn't you want to identify with Jesus Christ? What would be holding you back from identifying that I'm a child of God? So baptism is like an earmark, uh, an identification mark in our life that I am part of the family of God. That's why we require people to be baptized before, before they become a member of our church. It is a commitment. I'm wondering here today if there'll be somebody say, yep, I'm ready to go forward with this step, joining this church, supporting it, building something powerful in this community. It's a great witness. You see, we need your gifts. We need what you can, what you can give to make our witness our testimony stronger. God has this planned out. Father, we thank you for each and every one that's here today. And God, uh, I can't help but believe that you are calling someone in this room to take some step further in their relationship with you. God, whatever it is, help us to be willing to say yes, God. I surrender. I give it. I'm going to go. Whatever that might look like. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to receive communion. But as we get ready to receive communion, I want to just address to the, you know, the Legos you got? I want to do you an activity. It's kind of like a, a you know, we, an invitation into the sermon. It says, invite you to do something. So I'm going to invite you to, to be the church. I'm going to invite you to, there's the black table back there. There's also the offering plate. If you like to give an offering, connection card. If you have prayer requests and praise, please use those. But I ask you to, to put that Lego and connect it with another Lego. And let's just see what happens with your build there. It may be something really weird, but it's okay. We're unique. We're not like any other church. See, Richard just put down the first Lego, so we're going to build on, on, on that. And so I'm going to ask you to do that when you leave, all right? When, after communion, when we leave, we'll just go back there and we'll just put, the, put that back there. And uh, that is just like a sign. Now, you don't have to do that. You can keep it. You put it in your pocket and steal it. I don't care. God knows. <laughs> Just tease it. That's your choice. And if it's not this church, there's another family out there that he is calling you to. But get in. Both feet. And serve God. 
Let's grow together. Let's reach this world for Jesus Christ. This community needs a stronger witness than we're given right now. He's doing something. Join him in his work right here at Somos Community Church. So I'm going to ask you at this time to grab, not to grab, but to, to come to the middle aisle and then come forward and go to each table and receive um, one of the uh, cups there. They're self-contained and uh, they're all there for you. You just grab one and uh, then go back to your seat and we'll give you some further instructions. They are uh, kind of a different cup we're trying, so uh, I think it'll be easier for you. I failed to mention something that when we're talking about uh, joining the church, um, if you're interested in joining the church, uh, the step that I'd like to, for you to take, that we'd like to, for you to take, is just right on the connection card, there's a place I'm interested in being a member of uh, Somos Community Church, and we'll have this conversation with you. We have a great class that is in formation called Class 101 that talk about uh, introduction to our church and uh, We'll be uh, talking more about that later. So when we think about the Lord's Supper, communion, we have to prepare our hearts. It's not something that we take lightly because we're sitting across the table from Jesus Christ. We're communion with him. And so make sure that our hearts are prepared for this. So we're going to take the bottom part of the glass or the, the, the wafer, the little bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ, the suffering. So take that into your hand. Your, uh, hand. And uh, I'm going to say a prayer. So I'm going to say a prayer because, you know, we're getting ready to see this and we want to think, think about the suffering of Jesus Christ. The beautiful part about church, as we've said this before, is that when one suffers, we all suffer. And when we think about the suffering of Christ, it helps us with what we suffer through. It engulfs that suffering that we go through that as we dwell on what Christ has done, what he has gone and what he has experienced, then what we go through, it helps us. And so with that, I want to draw our attention to just, we just got a text that, um, 
uh, Ron is, uh, is hurting right now. They're trying to stop a, a procedure from his lungs leaking. And uh, it's, a, it's a serious thing. So, so as a church, we'd, we'd come together and let's pray for Ron right now as he's, the doctors are trying to stop this leak or, or it could be um, serious. Father, we come to you. And truly our heart is, is uh, hurting for joy in what Ron and the family are going through. We do pray that the doctors will be able to apply the, whatever the tool, whatever the thing that would cause Ron to get better. We ask for your healing, the healing that comes through the power of Jesus Christ. That if we were there, we would put our hand upon Ron and we pray over him your blessing and favor. Your words are life-giving. Father, we will trust you with this and the outcome and all this, that your will will be done. And just as Jesus was there praying and the suffering that he was going to go through, that he prayed for the will of God to be done. So, Father, thank you for sending your sons and thank you, Jesus Christ, for suffering for us to help us in our suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take. And Joe's gonna pray for the next one, give some instruction for this. I, uh, I studied world religions in college. That was just something I really enjoyed, besides being a business major, but I, I was always fascinated by the fact that, you know, religions worldwide, uh, from ancient cultures to even today, would sacrifice animals to their god or whatever, the god of gods or whatever. There was even you know, a culture that disappeared down in Mexico that sacrificed human beings, you know, virgins to God. Our faith is based on the fact that God died for us. He died for us. We don't die for him. We give ourselves to him, but he died for us. And in as incarnate who he was in his son, Jesus, um, willingly walked up and let others kill him. That's pretty Pretty, pretty amazing thing. And it separates Christianity. It separates our faith from all other religions, all other faiths, all other philosophies. That God shed his blood for us. And as we uh, open our cups, let's pray a quick prayer. Lord, we do love you. And we thank you that only through your shed blood that we have, are redeemed. And we thank you for it. We thank you that we are whole we are cleansed and made pure as wind-driven snow because of your blood before the Father. We ask and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take the cup. Cindy and I have been kind of practicing a little song. Maybe you could stand with us and sing it with us.
with God. 